Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And today we are talking about episode three of Survivor 41. This episode is called My Million Dollar Mistake. And I've got a lot to say about it. But before we get into that, I want to first apologize for uh, any audio quality issues that you might experience in this episode. I am out of town recording this remotely, so I don't have my usual setup and I don't have my usual mic. But this is a one-time deal. It's it's not going to be an issue moving forward. Yeah, it's commitment. It's commitment. Uh, I didn't want to skip an episode, especially not this episode, because I got a lot of thoughts on it. Evan, uh, you watched the episode. What did you think of it, maybe, before we get into the specifics? Not my favorite, which, Mm -hmm. well, just top level, are we on the same page about that? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I And, you know, I felt it from the outset, which was interesting, because... And, you know, I might be wrong about this, but I feel, I mean, there have been, I guess, examples of this, but the way this episode began by sort of just thrusting us into last night and sort of the, there was something about it because, you know, you have Liana on the beach at night and she's really emotional, um, but it doesn't kind of make sense why, because Liana and Evie chose to have the vote be this way and the Mm -hmm. way Liana was presenting things was though she was like strong-armed into that decision a decision that she made that ultimately I don't think is like that consequential especially not so in a negative way but yeah that whole first beat just checking in with all three tribes something felt a little bit off and I said this to you last week where it's like I'm trying to watch this from the perspective of someone that's never seen the show before and I just did not think that was an exciting first act by any measure it wasn't camp life. It was like strategic life. Um, and then, of course, we'll have to get into those advantages. But let's find out first. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Yeah. So that's interesting that your your first uh, impression was negative based on what we saw with Liana and then the other camps as well. Because my impression was negative looking at the episode as a whole because of the advantages uh we are advantaged out and we're on episode three Mm. i think it you know this is like kind of ridiculous we went sort of like two-thirds of the show without having survivor if that makes sense and let's get into it i think it will start to become clear to people if you're not already on the same page as us so let's get right into the episode so like you say at the yasa camp we see the camp fresh out of voting out voce in episode two and we see liana having kind of a rough night and she's upset like you say uh, and i think it's because she saw that the better move would have been voting out xander who has this beware advantage you could potentially have an idol we know he probably has an extra vote i think she actually knows that he has the extra vote because uh, evie told her that and so she just saw very clearly it should be xander and because tiffany was so worked up about xander's idol potentially having power uh, which it didn't 
that that she, like you said last week, acquiesced to Tiffany's request to vote out Voce uh, as sort of the safe option, which of course, as we talked about last week, they could have split the vote and sort of covered all their bases. So yeah, you know what? I felt a little bit bad for Liana here. I thought it was uh, an endearing moment for her just to be like, it almost felt like what she was saying was, I came here to play Survivor, but I'm not playing with the strongest competitors or the strongest alliance, which is sort of interesting because we've seen Evie be this kind of strategic mastermind at Yasa. uh, And I think they have been, but I... I'm 100% on Liana's side that it would have been smarter to get rid of Xander. It definitely would have. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, it would have been smarter. But when you look at like, you know, I'm thinking about um, uh, Tasha in Kagayan. And one of her big issues with her tribe at the outset was feeling like, or maybe it was Kagayan or maybe it was Tasha in Second Chances. But one of her big issues on one of those seasons was feeling like people weren't playing the game. And in Liana's Mm. instance, it's like, they're not playing in the way that she wants them to play, but like mm-hmm. this is a tribe definitely playing the game. Like a, a big decision was made. So I just think Liana needs to be patient. It's a situation in which, you know, there's only what, five, four people left on her tribe. So there's going to be many more chances to play ball with bigger, you know, uh, in this sort of on a bigger stage once we get to either a swap or we, either down to two tribes or the merge, whatever they have in store. I just thought it was like a lot of emotion for uh very little consequence by way of like she's good yeah and also yeah, like that is true. also survivor is make or not even survivor life is making choices and living with those choices and so i feel like um and this could be like you know her age showing in this instance but it was one of those moments where it's like you made a move now live with it like that's and, and also there are going to be harder votes ahead yeah, but part of the problem is that there are going to be harder votes ahead, and that may be because ahead, Xander could have a real live idol. And so I think timing was everything on the Voce vote, and it should have been the Xander vote based on the timing. Like this was the opportunity where Xander had an extra vote, Xander has something that could become an idol, and it would have been the perfect time to flush both of those things. So I can I can see why Leanna's upset, but you know, yeah, she's not in a bad place. It seems like Xander's actually tight with those girls. So, but also just to open an episode with something that was so um, referential to the last episode. Again, just having that perspective of like new person watching for the first time, it just wasn't a very exciting note to begin the episode on. Um, nor was it kind of giving us. Uh, it, it just the mood from the outset was kind of like a little sour, which I le- I can do a sour mood if it's like camp life, like if it's like we're struggling right now to survive. But just uh, ha- and uh, beginning on that note and having it be just you know a consequence of a choice you made in the last episode. Like mind you, Liana wasn't blindsided; she's not dealing with sort of like any kind of surprise. I just felt like that was not the right way to like bring us back into the world of Survivor. And being that I'm now for the first time watching it week to week and actually can't just like advance on to the next episode and have to like sort of like, you know, really think about each episode for seven days, I notice things like that more. I'm kind of like, I, I've i been missing this show for, for the past six days. And so I'm so excited to have my Survivor back. And so to begin with that was kind of like, okay. <laughs> 
Well, in my opinion, it was about to get much worse because we see Liana tending to the fire and we see uh, the uh, flash on the screen to a beware advantage, which is sitting right next to the fire pit. Uh, where Liana is sitting and then we cut to the next morning and Tiffany wakes up and she finds this beware advantage with Evie and Liana present and the advantage Tiffany opens it up and it says that a boat will be coming to pick her up to take her on an adventure where she will have to make a decision and that if she does not get on the boat she will lose her vote at the next tribal council so it's very similar to the prisoner's dilemma adventure sort of language we got but now it's couched as a beware advantage yasa uh, once again i think it's important to note that the entire alliance is aware of the terms of the beware advantage right so we have Liana and Evie present for the reading of those rules, even though we get a confessional from Tiffany saying she would have liked to have found that and opened it in private, which I think is interesting. But once again, the like beware aspect of this is sort of moot, right? Because everybody knows what's going on. In the meantime, jumping around in terms of the timing, uh, Brad will find this advantage at Ua, and we can talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, and Sydney will find it at Luvu. So we'll have one contestant from each tribe going on this adventure and making a decision together, similar to uh, the first Prisoner's Dilemma uh, trip that was taken in the premiere episode. Uh, do we like Tiffany being in control of this little beware, beware advantage on Yasa? Mm. Yes, because you know, we're rooting for Tiffany, but like <laughs> Tiffany has proven to be caustic in her decision making and yeah. uh not incredibly self-aware of how other players are playing their game but i want to back up to the placement of this advantage right because i think mm -hmm. that that is a major major red flag um particularly like brad's for instance because being that these are in plain sight, production had to set them there at some point. And you do have to wonder when they were placed there because as was told to us and shown, Brad is constantly at camp. Um, they said he never leaves camp while others are out looking for idols. And where is the advantage place? The advantage is placed at camp by the fire. Was it placed there while everyone was down by the water and Brad was up there? I doubt it, but still, it just it makes you wonder when something is hidden in plain sight in a place where the tribe is, presumably there's someone there always, right, at camp, um, or most of the time. I mean, it could have been set there during a challenge, but still. I just think it was really sus that they would make it the it, it, they make it so obvious where it was. I don't know if we've ever had that before. I realize that in their defense, they needed all three tribes to find it. Like there couldn't be the possibility that one tribe didn't find it because they needed to have this summit. But I just thought that was like a little bit, it felt very manipulative on production's part to not have mm -hmm. people. I, I, I'm not even a big fan of idols to begin with, as most people know, but even so, to not even have the stumbling upon aspect to just, or excuse me, to not even have the looking for aspect, but it just have it be a stumbling upon and have it be right there. I don't know. I felt like it was like, yeah, like I said, manipulative. Did you have any thoughts about that? The only way that I can put this is it's stupid. Like the, I mean, even the fact that the advantages exist and that this is going to be a regular part of every episode, it seems moving forward annoys the hell out of me. 
let alone like having them just be first person who wakes up, finds it first person who starts a fire, finds it, uh, that, I mean, we know that they're looking for idols all the time and as they should be. And as they've been trained to do by modern survivor, uh, it is kind of surprising that a camp like Luvu has not found the original Beware Advantage uh, containing the three-way idol. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that that means that they should just be right. given something to do. Maybe if this is a thing that's going to take place on a specific day, you hide the Advantage package. If nobody finds it at a specific camp, they don't find it. Right. You know? Make it uh, equally difficult or easy to find at each camp. And if, if it's not found, it's not found. And the people who find it go. Uh, I know that that's not what they're looking for. But it's just like, is this the game we're playing right now? Like, is this, is this Survivor? And then there's the boat of it all, which is something we've seen in many seasons, which I just, and, and correct me if you, you know, I could be wrong or if you, if you feel differently, I don't see there being any risk in getting on that boat. All you have to do, first of all, everyone's asleep. Second of all, if someone wakes up, you say, I'm going to the bathroom and they'll fall back asleep or or just like, I'm going down by the beach to like, I, I, I just find it odd how they make it out to be like, it's this really scary thing getting on this boat. I also have to imagine that that boat is not that close to camp because as you saw with Tiffany's exit, she was straight up mm -hmm. talking to the camera person. She was literally yeah. <laughs> talking to the camera saying how scary this was. So, so is I, Sydney. Yeah. So I think they, they try and make it seem like you're literally having to get up and, you know, just walk a few feet away and get on a boat. But obviously, Blake, that's not the case. There's obviously a camera crew here in addition to the person driving the boat. So there are multiple people here. I always wonder, too, like in Brad's whole, I'm going to create this fake body setup, which LOL, there's a camera person overhead of him capturing that. So even if JD was awake and which I think that that was, you know, editing that make, made it seem that way. Even if that was the case, yeah. he would be staring not at Brad making a fake body, but at the camera person standing over filming a supposedly asleep Brad. So yeah. I just think the idea, the element that they try to add this like extra drama of like, you're going to need to get away from your camp in the middle of the night is so much less exciting than the instances in which it's, there's an idol hidden during the challenge you're going to need to grab it in plain sight. That to me is real stakes, but they've done this thing that could, we've had this in many seasons. And I just, I don't understand the risk there, especially when I just, I can think of a million excuses. Honestly, there's even, and this one's a little bit more of a long shot, but like my foot was throbbing in the middle of the night. I called medical and they took me out to another Island to take a look at it. Like, you know, again, yeah. a little much, but I just think that there's, it's an easy thing to sort of have to explain why you were away for a few hours. If it's even called into question. Yeah. I think that they really, really liked the situation that they created in Island of the Idols, not much of a spoiler, but where somebody has to sneak into another camp to look for something. I think I mentioned this on another recent episode. Um, I think that they really liked the intrigue and the like, you could get caught and this is really risky and they're obviously leaning into this risk danger right. narrative. And I feel like despite this not being dangerous at all, they're just hyping it up to be that way uh, because they believe that it's adding suspense. But all of the suspense of Brad sort of creating this fake body and sneaking away. Also really weird that Ua is sleeping on the beach. Mm. We never see tribes sleep on the beach either because it's really cold or there's like 
crabs and bugs all over the beach, right? So right. Uh, kind of weird to see that. It's interesting from the survival aspect, which we don't get much of anymore. It also was interesting when they mentioned the whole, like, you can get a tarp thing when we were like, because we, they were like, this can protect you from rain. And it's like, from what we've been seeing, it's nothing but blue yeah. skies. <laughs> so, fine. And clearly it's they're fine. sleeping on the beach. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so to, to cut from that to both uh, Luvu and Yasa, where we have Tiffany and uh, and Sydney just walking down leisurely to the beach, chatting with the camera. It's like, okay, well, you know, one of these things is not true. And I think we know which one. Right. So maybe we can, I'm jumping around a little bit in the episode, but maybe let's go to what happens on that uh, little adventure that they go on. So they each get in their separate boats and they are taken to... It looks like a tropical resort island. Very white and, lotus. Uh, very white lotus. We see Tiffany, Sydney, and Brad meet. And uh, they say hi to each other. And then they go to a platform where they read the rules of what they are meant to do. And the rules work a little bit differently this time than on the first sort of prisoner's dilemma summit that we saw in the premiere episode and then the similar one that we saw with uh, Evie and Deshaun last week. So this time, they're given a choice between choosing a tarp, like you said, or choosing a steal a vote advantage. If all of them choose to win a tarp, all of them will get a tarp back at camp for their tribe to share. If all of them choose to steal a vote, all of them lose their vote at the next tribal and none of them get a steal a vote advantage. And then if it's not a unanimous decision, those who choose the tarp get nothing, but keep their vote. And those who choose to steal a vote get the steal of vote advantage and keep their vote at next tribal. So it's a little bit different. The stakes are like a little bit more confusing to me uh, because first of all, like you say, I don't think that they're dying for a tarp. I really don't think that the tarp is enough of an incentive. I think a bag of rice would have been a really big incentive even if it was like not a, a full ration of rice, but like, you know, a, a six days worth of rice, I think would have been a really big incentive. Uh, so I was kind of surprised at, at the decision that was, that was meant to be made. What did you think about the tarp versus steel? Of Even you explaining it now, it still doesn't quite make sense to me. It's yeah, way too yeah. complicated. And then I just think logistically, the fact that the first two episodes had this sort of, caveat to everything which was get to know one another on that you know that climb up to the little perch at the top of the hill mm -hmm. this one was strange to me in that they distinctly were told you do not have time to get to know each other because you need to get back to your camp because you know the more time you're here the more time people can question where you are so i just thought that distinction was strange in that in the first two episodes, you had people being able to sort of potentially formulate cross-tribal alliances in some sense, whereas this did not seem to have any opportunity for that. And then on top of the rules changing, episode one, you have three people. Episode two, you have two people. Episode three, you're back to three people. I think if you're going to try and add something new to the game and have it be confusing at that, you need to stick with it yeah. so that over time we can start to... For those of us with a little bit more smooth of brains, 
we can start to catch on to things. And I just thought it was extremely confusing that it was, we had two episodes where they did the same climb, but with different amounts of people. And now in this episode, we're reverting back to the amount of people from the first episode, but having an entirely new thing. And then whereas the first two, all of the uh, tribe members at least knew that the other ones were off doing this thing. This time it's a secret thing that they're doing. I just mm -hmm. thought all of these elements every single week has been so very different. And then on top of that, to change the advantage itself, I, I can't understand. I can't. I can't understand. And then and then on top of that, and maybe now's a good time to rewind again, because before Brad actually even goes on this trip, he finds the other beware advantage, right? Which is the three-way idol advantage where he has to talk about broccoli. So now Brad has is in a situation where he has two things called Beware Advantage. They're completely different from each other. They, are, they do not resemble each other in any way, shape, or form, but have the same title. And as a result of having the three-way idol Beware Advantage, Brad can't right. vote. And now Brad is making a decision between a tarp and stealing a vote, uh, stealing a vote which he can't use, right? So it's like what at what point like do we need an excel spreadsheet to tell us who has votes how many votes they have where they're coming from and when they can and be it's used only gonna get worse before we even even wrap our heads around this game and yes like you say it's only going to get worse as every week goes on because it seems like i could be wrong and i kind of hope i'm wrong but it seems like every week we're going to get something like this where you know, this is getting to an issue that it's the fundamentals of Survivor, which is that you live in a tribe together and every single person gets a vote. And based on the way that you relate to other people, someone gets voted out because everybody votes yeah. for someone. Like that is the basic game of Survivor, and that is now gone as a result of these yes. advantages. Yes, and, and, and not to digress too much, but this is something that I've been thinking about a lot as I sort of am, you know, nearing the finish line of completing all of Survivor. Sort of like that, um, you know, when the game has shifted over time, over you know, with the, first the introduction of the idol, but then sort of advantages as we sort of know them today. You know, at what point do you kind of separate out that this is not just one show, right? This is like, they're not just eras of a show. They're altogether different shows in that, like, they take a complete... It's like to win, the you know, season three versus win season 41, clearly just not the same skill set at all. And also not the same artillery mm -hmm. by way of, like, ways in which you can win, you know? And so in watching... 41, where I've, you know, we've seen, especially in the 30s seasons, you know, Advantage Get In, as I think it's been called. We've seen this play out before, never to this degree ever. And the other thing that I think is the consequence of having all of this is just a complete lack of camp life, compounded by the fact that they're, you know, going to have less of a camp life to begin with. And the, the amount of players that we have not had any substantive time with at all really starts to become noticeable by episode three when there are some players that you're – like, for instance, this was the Brad episode, you know? And it's interesting in a third episode um, when it's seemingly not the most consequential of votes to spend so much time on who kind of seems like a rather uninteresting character in Brad um, – and, you know, once again, like, our girl Heather, where is she? 
where is she? And 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 if she's gonna sit down yes. on the challenges, yes. then we need to see a camp life moment, not a secret scene. So I just feel mm-hmm. like the amount of advantages, it, it not only is it confusing strategically and changes the very meaning of the game or the very like definition of the game, but it also comes at the consequence of just eating up a lot of time that I think is valuable to the series in, in building character. Can I add one more thing really, really, really fast? I was just rewatching Marquesas and there's a scene very, very early on with Rob Mariano's tribe when they wake up in the morning. I think it's probably a very famous scene and they're doing that the thing where show? they go around. Yeah. The radio show. Exactly. Yeah. And that scene is so effing important and so effing endearing and charming and is so character building for so many of them the fact that you watch them all who they find funny and you see this moment especially with hunter and with rob who you think are the two alpha males that aren't going to get along but actually quite like each other and then sean comes in and he's given the weather or whatever i i think moments like that are just so lost and i miss them so much okay end rant yeah, well, getting back to the Heather of it all is that, like you say, they put out this secret scene last week where Heather concocted a story about how she had a dream that Sydney came to her house and stole her torch. And as a result, she doesn't trust Sydney. Now, it was all sort of like a deception on both the audience and her tribe mates because then immediately after all of that plays out she tells us uh, i made that whole thing up because i just don't like sydney and i want to start turning the tide against sydney i want to start planting seeds that sydney is untrustworthy and she does so through this like story about a dream she has and it's so funny and so endearing and it's not just character based it is character based but it's also getting to the strategy and why people might not like sydney which is starting to become a thing as of this episode and in the preview for the next episode so the fact that we're losing scenes like that for 20 minutes of people looking at pieces of paper is atrocious like that is a failure of not just not just a survivor as a game show but as a television product like, yeah, I don't know who thinks, you know, I, ke- I keep going back to this thing that Jeff Probst said uh, preseason where he says that he was running ideas by Mike White and he had had this idea for an elaborate system of fire tokens that would introduce uh, capitalism to Survivor. And when he told Mike White about it, Mike asked, OK, but is it fun? Is it going to be fun to watch? And as a result of that. Jeff scrapped it and he said, you know, okay, then everything had to be put through the lens of, is this going to be fun? Well, I don't know who looked at this, who looked at this episode and said, this is fun because it is literally the opposite of fun to look, watch people look at pieces of paper. Like that's what we got. Yeah. And also like, I don't want to spend more time with Brad than I have to. Like on top of that, it's like (laughs) once he found both of those things, I was like, okay, well, narratively, we're going to have to center around him for quite a bit of time. And I don't want to. And so, yeah, Yeah. I I, I completely agree. This is, it's, it's convoluted and especially only in episode three to know we're only going to get more of it. On top of that, it eats up the possibility of having reward and immunity challenges and it brings them together into one. And I actually think when you have a three tribe situation, having those two opportunities for for the entire uh, uh, cast to get together is actually important. You, you're, you, mm-hmm. It's easy to forget when watching these sort of the lack of people that know each other. So that's why you have that moment 
when Brad meets Sydney and Tiffany, uh, you forget that it's like, here we are thinking, oh, it's episode three, but like these people have really not spent any time together. And, yeah. and with the, with a tribe swap likely not happening based off of the scenes for next week, um, it seems like they won't be meeting for quite some time. And so mm -hmm. it's all the more important to have things like reward challenges so they can size each other up from afar. Yeah. And uh, I just remembered the point of my rant that I was going on, which was that if we're looking at what's fun to watch, the secret scene, you know, the one that didn't make the episode of Heather making up a dream about Sydney is fun. Totally. Look, watching people look at pieces of paper is not fun. Yeah, that's okay. So that's, that's that. Let's get back to the episode because I think, uh, I think we've made You don't want to talk more about Marquesas? Clear. I would love to talk more about Marquesas, but that's a different <laughs> Yeah, <episode>. another day. <laughs> <laughs> that's when we get Kathy on the podcast. Mm, yes. Uh, okay, so you, okay, we're back at this little dilemma, and uh, they do discuss it a little bit. And I think we do get like little nuggets of interesting character stuff here because I think it's really interesting to watch how Sydney acts, and and probably only because we've gotten such small glimpses of Sydney to date, and they've been a little bit conflicting. Uh, so Sydney tells Tiffany, well, you can't risk your vote because your tribe is down in numbers. And Tiffany immediately replies, yeah, I could. So I really liked that little exchange because it's, I think, Sydney underestimating Tiffany to a certain extent, but also Tiffany overplaying her cards to another extent. And then so Sydney just says she doesn't trust Tiffany, uh, that she doesn't even know her last name, which I thought was funny. Uh, of course, Brad goes on to choose the steal a vote, uh, and he had made that clear. Sydney and Tiffany both choose TARP. And this after Tiffany had kind of clearly said that she was, or at least implied that she was going to steal the vote. So can I, um, wait, can I ask a question though? This is where my brain starts yeah. to, so is the reason why Tiffany chose the TARP? Because if Tiffany knew that Brad was going to steal the vote, then didn't Tiffany know that in choosing the TARP, she was like she was getting that there was obviously no chance she was going to get the tarp i guess it i think that i think that tiffany thought sydney was going to steal the vote and that as a result all three of them all three would lose their lose their vote but then my other question becomes if tiffany is in an alliance in which it's the three of mm -hmm. them and xander and she lost a vote what would it ultimately matter I guess my question is like it's in, in Tiffany's mind, she's going to justify that choice by saying she was playing it safe. But was she playing it safe or was she just not thinking through the scenario correctly? Tiffany is really worried about votes and where everyone is going to fall. I still think that she probably doesn't fully trust Xander. We saw her flip out uh, last week wanting Xander out. And, you know, if Xander's advantage does become an idol and he can't be voted for, and then the options are Evie, Liana, and Tiffany, I think Tiffany sees herself on the chop chopping block there. So I think that's probably why she wouldn't want to lose her vote, even, then she, even though she told Sydney that she didn't mind losing her vote. And I think that she believed that Sydney was going to choose the risky option uh, because she said this line that I really loved. She said, not so sure I love Sydney's energy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny because now we have, okay, so we have Tiffany not loving Sydney's energy. We have Heather not loving Sydney's energy. In the in the preview for next week, we've got Erica not loving Sydney's energy. Mm. 
so this is something I like really want to explore more. Uh, and unfortunately, I think it's going to take Luvu going to tribal in order to do that. But I just love. I that also line. just think that there's no scenario in which all three of them would have chosen the tarp. Um, and so it just seems like for the two of them that got nothing, I just think that there should have been some reward for playing it safe. Like it just seemed odd to call yeah. it an advantage when they got that note, but like Agreed. there's, yeah, it's it just like, there's no chance all three are going to take a tarp. Even if you all agreed on it, it just wouldn't happen. So there was no world in which anyone was ever going to get a tarp because that was the only way to get one was through um, unity amongst the three. Just again, too fucking confusing. I hate that we're even taking this much time to talk about it, to be honest. Like, I know. The whole thing is dumb. The whole thing is dumb. I hate it all. Burn it down. <laughs> so we go to the challenge, and Jeff premieres, come on in, and hey, it works. And I bet most people didn't notice. Completely. So Brad gets to deliver his uh, little secret code here, and he does so by saying that he's uh, he's all full of salt water and his hair's all fluffy and he feels like a broccoli and broccoli grows like little bunches on small trees, which is uh, not the phrase, but I think they let it slide. I was going to ask that. <laughs> I wish that he had to say the phrase word for word. I think that that should be a rule. Totally. Uh, but I think that I think that they would let it slide. Because then Jeff like immediately throws to Xander and he's like, Xander, what do you think about that? And Xander repeats his phrase and, and is sort of reflecting on like how Brad said something weird this week. And, but he said something weird the early, like the last week. And like, that's how he did it, which actually I thought was quite smooth from Xander. But now he's going to have to do that again, right. potentially assuming that, and I'm assuming here that the beware advantage that Brad had is now going to be replanted at Ua. And someone new will have to say the broccoli line, which will be really interesting to see. But how again, they the off. fact that we have to speculate about that and not know, I think going back to the Mike White thing of like, uh -huh. is it fun? The other question one should ask is like, is it too confusing? And it's like, I just does feel it like make in sense? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's like in situations like that, I don't want to have to guess whether or not something like that's going to go back in the game. It's just, yeah, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go through the challenge really quickly. The challenge sees tribes make their way across a rope bridge. Shout out to Angelina and David versus Goliath, her famous uh, rope bridge gif. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was the same one. Uh, then they have to dig up a bag of sandbags and then attempt to land a series of smaller sandbags uh, by throwing them onto an elevated sort of platform thing. Uh, so they are not just playing for immunity. They're also playing for a pretty like meager tray of fruit, uh, which I really like. And, you know, like we said, I do kind of miss the reward challenges here, and I understand that they are going for uh, a more difficult season in terms of survival and not giving them things, and this is like kind of a classic reward. It's like a very normal platter of fruit, uh, and, and I like that. You know, they're not going to gorge themselves on this. They can hang on to it probably for like over a week. Uh, and, and ration it out. So I, I really like that that was the reward. Unfortunately, you know, I don't think we're going to see anything about it. 
I did think it was a uh, lot so- of a lot of fruit for second place. <laughs> Just, I mean, personally. you know what? Maybe, maybe I saw this. Maybe I saw the second place and thought it was first place. Maybe I, I honestly, I just was like, typically you would think point. it would be like, here's an apple for the tribe, or just something like very meager. I just yeah. feel like typically the the mode that they sort of operate under is like second. You don't want second place. Yeah, you want first place. For for me, it should be second place doesn't win reward. Second place is you're not going to tribal. I agree. That I concur. Okay, so Luvu sits out Heather and Erica. Again, Heather's sitting out. Maybe we can mention this. So, you know, typically you're not allowed to sit out in back-to-back challenges. But the thing is, and I was reminded of this, uh, I was listening to uh, Stephen uh, Fishback and, and uh, Rob Sesternino uh, recap this episode this morning. And, uh, and I was reminded of the fact that the sit-out rule is per episode cycle, right? So if somebody sits out immunity, uh, they are also they are allowed to sit out the following episodes reward, even if they're back to back, because it's per cycle. Now this doesn't make any sense anymore now that we have no reward challenges. So Heather can just sit out back to back to back to back challenges. Like theoretically, Heather never has to play a challenge, and I think that's a bit backwards yeah i mean i also think you know when we have conversations about the ways in which the game sort of by design favors men i think this is an example that i mean when you have sit outs you are i don't want to say 100 percent of the time but nearly 100 percent of the time going to see females and particularly older women um that are you know made to sit out and it's just sort of disappointing and it's like again too when you have someone like heather who you're never seeing in the edit, seeing her in a challenge is a great opportunity as a viewer to learn more about her, how she plays the game, her level of physicality. And so when you don't see her participate in any challenges so far, it's like important information that we, the viewer, want to fall in love with Heather because we love her. She's our spiritual leader, but we want to see our spiritual leader in action. And I think this is a challenge that Heather could do. Like this is not super, super physical. Uh, and I, I think she could really shine here, but they're they're not letting her. And I understand why it's because and it's based on the rules that we're they're, we're playing the game by. But we get to see Heather and Erica uh, team up as the cheerleaders this time for Luvu, and we have Jeannie uh, giving them a run for their yeah, money. That was great over for Ua, and she was just like hooting and hollering over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in the challenge itself, uh, not a whole lot to report on. Tiffany struggles across the rope bridge. We don't get the uh, dramatic shots of her struggling this time, but she does manage to pull it out. And then she like sort of tumbles into the water at the end, which was a funny moment, uh, but she did it. Uh, one moment to mention is that Xander and Brad are kind of left behind as the last two to start the relay race, whatever. And Xander turns to Brad and is like, I like what you said about the broccoli. And Brad says like, yeah, looking forward to working with you or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was a little bit of acknowledgement there that, uh, that they both have this beware advantage and that they're kind of waiting for the third to come on board. I want to digress for a second because I listened to, uh, there's another gay survivor podcast that I enjoy called Bitter Jurors. And Eliza was uh, the guest on it uh, last week, recapping episode two. And Eliza made a really good point. And she said that had she found the advantage, 
one strategy she could have done is to go to the immunity challenge and say, Hey guys, I'm going to say this weird thing because I found this advantage. And if you, if someone from each of your tribes also finds it, then we'll all have idols because like everybody's going to find out anyways. And it's a way for you to get your vote back and have an idol, right? Yes. It would put a target on you, but it's like, well, from the resume perspective of it all, it's just like a big move to make. Yeah. Or it's something that like Brad could have said to uh, Sydney and Tiffany at, at their summit. There are, aren't a lot of opportunities where the tribes are interacting, but at those uh, where they are interacting, it's something to yeah. consider. Uh, and that hasn't happened. So that's kind of weird. Anyways, at the challenge, Luvu lands all their bags first. Yasa comes in second and Ua loses and is headed to tribal council. I do want to mention something about this challenge, though, because I think this mm -hmm. challenge sort of exemplifies, again, not to harp on it, but sort of the ways in which the show is designed to favor men. I think one of the disappointing things that happens in this challenge that too often happens in Survivor Challenges is you have this final stretch in which you can have your, air quotes, strongest man step forward and win the challenge for the tribe. And you saw it on all three tribes. Um, I mean, credit to Tiffany. Tiffany did land one of the um, sandbags up there. But... You had all three of their tribes pick a man, come forward. And so ultimately, who gets to do that big hug where all the other tribe members come in underneath of them? It's all three of these men. And so I just think it's frustrating so often that like the the finisher in these challenges is always that that role is pretty much always relegated, not relegated, the opposite, is given to these men. And that's one of the reasons why, although I am not totally in favor of a puzzle i do think that there's validity in the puzzle in being able to give more gender equity to the finisher because i think the finisher is in so many instances seen as the person that won the challenge for the for the tribe despite the fact that everyone participated in the first or second leg so i just thought seeing that play out was just kind of like ugh, i just i that's one thing i do not like about the challenge design yeah i hear you so we go back to the Ua camp to see what's going to happen with tribal council. Uh, we immediately see Brad targeting JD because he's overselling and underperforming, which I think is kind of an interesting thing for Brad to say, considering his closest ally or one of them is Jeannie, who, you know, is probably going to be sitting out of all the remaining challenges from now on uh, if, if she stays. So I'm not really seeing Brad's real strategy here for voting out JD. Then we see JD say he has to go to the bathroom. So this is where the whole sort of uh, momentum around the vote starts here. And this is where it gets interesting. And this is the redeeming quality of this episode for me. So we see JD go to the bathroom. We get a beautiful shot of a bird taking a shit. <laughs> and then when JD comes back, Shan sees his extra vote sticking out of his underwear. JD says, I guess I'm coming clean. And Shan says, you're not coming clean. You got caught. And so Shan, Ricard, and JD have this kind of like blow up about how JD had kept this advantage he has from them and he's supposed to be aligned with them, which in my mind is like a very typical survivor thing to do. Even with your closest allies, right. you don't want to share everything. But I think Shan and Ricard play this really well because they guilt the hell out of JD. And I think it works. What did you think of this whole exchange? Well, I will say, yes, I think that they played it very well. But also, I would say credit to, to JD 
for being really forthright here and not sort of trying to wiggle his way out of it, but by saying, hey, even with those you're aligned with, you still want to hold some things close to the vest, which is absolutely true. And I actually think it seemed in that moment, particularly with Shan, that he earned some respect from her because she could tell he was being honest about why he had been deceptive, right? Like, it's like he was owning it and not trying to cover it up in some sort of way and basically saying, like, this is, I'm playing Survivor and this is how you play Survivor. And he's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I think I think all three of them are playing a good game. Right. Like, they're all playing a good game and they're just fighting with each other over, like, sort of almost control of the alliance. Like, it, it feels like a power struggle and we haven't, like really seen Ricard and Shan come head to head yet, but I feel like it's going to come because I think both of them see themselves as running this alliance. Mm -hmm. And even in that conversation, uh, we see Ricard and Shan talking about, well, are we going to, are we going to turn on JD because of this uh, advantage thing? Or are we going to vote off Brad? And it seems like both of them are trying to be the ones who make the decision. And ultimately, Shan's like, I'm going to think about it. I'll make the decision, which puts her in the position of, you know, ownership of that move, uh, which I think is interesting. But uh, I, I feel like I feel like this could be setting us up for like an interesting fireworks display between uh, Ricard and Shan in the future. At least I'm mm. hoping to see that. I also just think it's worth noting that JD didn't lie to his alliance per se because he came back and gave that speech to the tribe. And so it just so mm -hmm. happened that amongst them was his alliance. But I just think the characterization... Who he didn't even know yet. Exactly. Really. But I'm saying the characterization of that it was somehow like that he was being deceptive specifically to his alliance is not actually the case. He was just, again, being a game player, and it was a decision he made early on in the game um, that's now coming back. So I think, uh, as you mentioned, I think everyone played it well, but I ultimately, there was never a moment in this episode where I thought JD was going home. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, and especially when we saw Shan... Shan just really laid into JD kind of all day, it seemed like, to guilt him. And part of that, I think, is to keep him, like, submissive yep. to her, right? Uh, and and the ultimate move that she made was, give me your vote. Temporarily, I'll hang on to it until you're no longer grounded. And then I'll give it back. And that will prove your loyalty to me. That is a classic survivor move that has gotten a lot of people fucked over. I did think maybe, maybe once she had that vote in her pocket, it might've been enough to uh, incentivize her to turn on JD. But ultimately I think an extra vote is not that powerful of an advantage. If it was an idol or something, maybe she would right. consider it. Um, but an extra vote, I think you'd rather have, you'd rather have, JD, who seems to be loyal to Shan now, especially even more so after this confrontation, uh, than, than Brad, who's just hoarding advantages. Completely. Okay, uh, so we go to Tribal. Jeff asks JD uh, if there was a Survivor newspaper, who would be on the cover? Which, like, <laughs> Jeff, you've already introduced currency. We don't need, we don't need any more ideas. We don't need a newspaper uh, because... <laughs> I could see this coming into play. But when coming to the vote, uh, Ricard says that he has to value loyalty over strength. 
because one day a merge is going to come and it's not beneficial for him to have strong people around him who don't like him. Once again, Jeff is absolutely flabbergasted that somebody would choose loyalty over physical strength in the game. That's which yeah, is just yeah. That's literally my note here. The well, both Jeff was odd in that moment, and then yeah. So dr- Jeff's question is, you know, point blank, tribe strength or personal alliances, and it's like, name one person who's going to say I'm not choosing my alliance because one could argue, well, in in keeping with my alliance, I am keeping tribe strength, like that that I have chosen alliance of strength. But the yeah. idea of it being that, like that's the binary, you're, you you either have tribe strength or your alliance is just such a strange way to frame it. So then, of of course, Ricard's going to be like, I'm choosing my alliance because they're my alliance. That's the whole. That's what an alliance is. You stick together. So I just thought that was an odd equivalence to make on Jeff's part. Like we, you can have your cake and eat it too. Absolutely. Also, like, this isn't a very, like, this tribe is interesting in, it's not a very, like, there's not so much a division of strong versus weak. I mean, we really haven't seen Genie participate in challenges to know, but it's not as though, yeah, I, I mean, they all seem sort of, there's some equal footing in the sense of, like, none of them seem like, you know, when you look at the other tribe, for instance, say, like, yes, Xander clearly, clearly feels like he is, like, uh, has a more physical prowess than some of his other tribe members. But in this tribe, it's like they seem pretty pretty evenly split. So I don't even know if they're even bringing up that question is necessarily prudent to this tribe. Yeah. There seems to be some deflection going on here at Tribal. It's like it seems like another storyline this week might have been that Genie was going to go home. Like there's uh, so Jeff is sort of asking Ricard uh, about. Genie's vote for him in episode one, which was never really explained to us uh, what happened with that. And Ricard gives this like sassy moment where he says, well, she spelled my name right when she wrote it down. And so it's almost, it's almost implied that Ricard might be going for Genie. And I wonder if that was the deflection that they used to blindside Brad Mm. was that Ricard was still mad at Genie. Um, and of course Brad didn't have a vote. So like, maybe he didn't need to be super in on what Ricard was doing. I don't know like how close, uh, Brad thinks he is to Ricard at this point. We never really got those dynamics fleshed out, but I just thought this was an interesting moment to like continue the, the unknown beef between Jeannie and Ricard. And I feel like that could come up again in the future. And unfortunately we're just not seeing Jeannie. We're not seeing Jeannie. And I also, I I just feel like some of the, looking at this episode sort of holistically um, and sort of getting such a, you know, because there's going to be boring boots. Like that just happens. There's going to be players that there's just not, you don't have a lot of investment in as a viewer. But coming off of last week, uh, which not only had such a phenomenal tribal, but you really had the emergence of Evie as like a really, really strong character and player in the game. Um, this just like there, there just seemed to be, it was a weak episode, uh, especially comparing to our first two, but this one just felt like it felt like we kind of, we just never really found our footing in this episode. There weren't really like great 
pullout moments. I mean, even comparing Brad's delivery of the line um, about the idol, comparing to our other instances with Xander, I think there's just been, Xander had the one right last week. It's only been one week of that. But just even Mm -hmm. comparing those two moments, Mm -hmm. it's like this episode just kind of, it definitely felt like it was in the shadow of its predecessor. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, in the end, a a tribal JD is able to give uh, his speech again about why he loves Survivor so much. And once again, reference Wu. I'm starting to wonder if this is tragic foreshadowing of JD's end game. (laughs) Like, I don't know why we keep bringing up Wu this season, Uh, but okay. And in the end, Brad, of course, cannot vote. JD, Ricard, Shan uh, all vote for Brad and Jeannie votes for JD. Uh, which I can assume is where Brad would have voted as well, because that's that's the conversation we saw. And uh, Brad, our cattle rancher, did you know he was a cattle rancher? I did not. He works on a ranch. I don't know if you knew that. Um, he goes home. I had never... Wait, he mentioned that at one point? Once, I think once or twice. What do you think of losing Brad this early on? I'm fine with it. But I think, you know, because I keep, since you mentioned the Mike White, Mike White thing, I keep thinking back about it. And it's just like, it's so unexciting to have someone seemingly have advantages that they were unable to use. Like there, there was nothing that Brad could have done to maneuver himself out of this. So it's kind of like, what's the point of like having this, this like, um, half artillery if you will and it just seems strange to me that they're like Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong i'm happy to have brad exit through the gift shop but i i still am kind of like he didn't have a vote his advantages weren't working so it's like so what's the point and obviously from the producer's perspective well they're saying this is all building up to you know when these things will finally come into their power but i just think it's yeah talking about original survivor as we were saying you know you come in this thing the one thing that you have is your vote right and then so to have someone lose their vote but then have things that could mitigate that loss but that they can't use not only is it complicated but it's like just it's frustrating again not that i want brad there but it's like i just think i like it when everyone has a vote like it's survivor that's you know, you have your vote. So I think yeah. one week of a losing your vote, I could do with, but to have multiple players on multiple tribes through multiple episodes, not having votes on top of advantages on, on top of three way idols that are not yet activated. It, it's convoluted to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, th- I think what they're doing is they're responding to the complaints that people have been saying for years of there being too many idols uh you don't have to look hard enough to find them they're way too easy to find and we even saw jd uh say in this episode people on the internet stop saying idols are easy to find they're not Uh, and then of course that was like five seconds after uh after brad found the uh uh, beware advantage sitting in camp but (laughs) But I think what they're doing is responding to this complaint of there being too many idols and and making them work for them to be used. However, like it hasn't been thought through because now not only are they having to work for the idols to be usable, but they're also losing their votes and then just like willy nilly gaining votes Mm. left, right and center. I couldn't even tell you everybody who has an extra vote right now. And it's probably only a few but I couldn't even, like, I guess it's Deshaun, JD, Xander. I'll have extra votes. Brad had a steal a vote, but he's gone. 
It's just there's too many votes in play, out of play. You know, the people who have extra votes sometimes can't even use them. It's like, it's far too complicated. And also, when you have three different tribes and you're down, you you know, you have multiple tribes right now with four players. So when you have this idol that's ostensibly going to be put back onto the island, there's a one in four chance on episode, but, you know, what are we like, you know, episode four that you can get an idol. It's just this, the stats get like really wonky to me because it's like, I just think it should be harder. I mean, a, I want less advantages, but it should be harder to accrue advantages. And the idea that you have a one in four chance of finding an idol this early in the game, I just think, yeah, it's sus. So I don't know. I am choosing there's a, someone said this once about drag race and I, I sort of take it with me right now, which is that like, this is not the show that I fell in love with, but this is a show that I recognize a lot of people love. And so I still very much enjoy it. I'm not turning on Survivor at all, but this is sort of like an inflection point. The same one that I had during Game Changers with the Suri boot where I'm just like, okay, so the show's going in a different direction. Got it. Yeah, I think that I'm, I've been at this point with the show for a while, and I know that I have been complaining this entire episode about uh, the way that the rules are changing this game and the way that the show is being put together and edited and the storytelling, etc. cetera. Um, but, you know, I'm complaining in light of a first, the first two episodes being actually quite good. Yeah. And although I may not love all the advantages and I may not love all the twists and turns that they are cooking up at Survivor, uh, you know, we get things like the first couple of episodes that tell us like, okay, they can still actually spin a pretty good story here. And they, they've got a really great cast and we've got a really interesting group of people to learn about and watch work together. But now we have, we're, we're starting to get into a situation, especially in this episode where all of that is being sacrificed for explaining the changes to the game that are unnecessary. And I think we would have, we would have a great show without the beware advantage from this episode. Agreed. And I think especially when I think there was some mindfulness in the creation of this season, that there were going to be a lot of new people watching the show because even though this this was filmed months and months ago, it was still months and months into the pandemic. And so I think that having an episode like this that's so... I think this episode was not great for in two categories. One, I think it was just generally unexciting and then compounded by the fact that I think it was confusing. And so I think that those two things are like both not things that you want to have in your third episode when you're inviting in these new viewers. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that was two aspects that made this episode um, frustrating. But I also think that frustration is born out of, as you're saying, the fact that we had two episodes that we really liked. So when you have that to go to come into this, it kind of feels like a big blow. But I'm also kind of trying to think of like, episode threes by nature are not typically the most exciting because you as a viewer are not largely invested yet in the characters because you haven't spent a ton of time with them. So, but whereas in the first episode, you're sort of like acclimating and meeting everyone and there's the excitement of like the adrenaline of, of the game being back. This is kind of can be that sort of like odd growing pain stage of the game. But what's interesting is typically when you hit this odd growing pain stage, 
you move into a swap, which we're not getting. So I am curious to see, or it seems as though we're not getting, I'm curious to see like where we go, how much longer we can wait before something stirs things up. I mean, I'm, my concern is that the only thing that's going to keep stirring things up is new twists and advantages. Yeah. Uh, I hope that that's not the case. I don't know when they'll merge. I mean, Jeff said before the season started that it's going to be small tribes throughout the season, which sort of signaled to me that maybe the merge is going to be late. Um, but I don't really have any confirmation on that, so I don't know. But um I, you know, I, I like the idea of not not swapping. I've never enjoyed tribe swaps because I like to see these people grow together and actually like build this society, which is the point of the show. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that continuing on. Uh, and and at some point they're going to have to merge uh, because I hope that these tribes, none of them gets decimated because there's people I really love on all of them. Uh, now I'm especially concerned for Ua and Yasa. We'll see. We'll see. I think there's there's certainly room for the show to improve, and hopefully it does. I also just think, and this is a larger conversation, and I'm sure we'll do an episode on this eventually, but by having these small tribes, there's just so many less variables. You're either on the top or you're on the bottom. And I think yeah. one of the fun things about having your prototypical nine-person tribe is that you can be on the bottom, the fifth person in the majority, you know, I'm saying just for the first vote, when there's nine people, you can be the fifth of five voting in the majority. So you can really be on the, like significantly on the bottom of the top and really question that role and say, I actually want to take control of my own game and flip. Whereas when, you know, you have your current situation where we have two tribes of four people, there's just not a lot of maneuvering that can happen. And there's not a lot of ways in which you would ever go against your own alliance because if you're on the top, there's only, there's just not, there's no wiggle room essentially. And so I think yeah. it's, it's fun yeah. to have nine people and just sort of say, okay, I'm in the majority and I'm definitely have that going for me, but I feel like I'm at the bottom of my majority. Do I want to, can I shake things up? Like, you know, there's just more opportunities to play the game. So I think, um, I know people like, I think some people like the smaller tribes, but I kind of like the, the two tribe split. Well, we will see what happens. Uh, anything else from this episode we need to talk about? I feel like we talked about it all. No, I mean, I'm just curious to see what secret scene we'll get this week. And maybe that can be our entryway into some Tiffany content. Heather. Heather. My God. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's like I, I honestly moving forward i'm gonna have a spreadsheet open with names because it's like even my girls it's like i can't even keep them straight okay i know i know yes. well hey blame the show because they're not showing us them truly okay i want secret scenes with heather my girl heather heather queen okay well this was great uh thank you for talking about this episode with me and letting me rant and rant and rant uh thank you for listening if you made it uh, make sure that you're subscribed so that you don't miss our future recaps and our upcoming interviews with uh, former players. So thank you for listening. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.